eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season, co-hosting this. I'm Taylor Viplish, joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schottmer. Before we get started today, I have to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt, the official sponsor of all the Inside Carolina podcasts. So if you want to support the people that support us, head on over to Franklin Street or JohnnyT-Shirt.com and treat yourself or somebody you love to some more Carolina apparel because the truth is you can never have enough of Carolina gear. They've got such a wide selection of football stuff. They have the jerseys, the T-Shirts, the hats. You name it, they've got it at a great affordable price. And not to mention, they are locally and alumni owned and operated. It is great people over there, people that you should want to support. And don't forget, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. Jeff, Carolina beats a a Power 5 opponent, Minnesota, 31-13. to the Golden Gophers come to Keenan Stadium and North Carolina handles them. What were what were your initial takeaways when you watched this game? You know, n- never take winning for granted. You know, we're, we're three and zero and on to conference play, and uh, the, the game was kind of funky. Just you know, the, the the rhythm of the game. But you know, anytime you can beat a Power Five opponent in a non conference game by three scores, you know, we'll take that any day of the week. And uh, I, know, I know Coach Brown was talking, you know, in, in the summer, in the preseason about how how hard our schedule was. And, um, you know, for us to start 3-0 and is is a fantastic way to start the year. Um, you, you know, the game to me, it was kind of like we, we drug Minnesota out into the deep water and slowly drowned them till their death. You know, it wasn't like an uppercut knockout shot. It was, it was you know death by a thousand paper cuts and we were chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then you look up in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go and we're up 31, 13. 
you know, Minnesota is a well, well coached ball club. You know, they've won, I don't know, nine, 10 games for the past couple of years. You know, PJ Fleck is, is a, is a, uh, you know, well-established coach and he, he's won at a lot of places. So, um, you know, to beat them and as handle as we handily as we did, it's impressive. So, uh, good for North Carolina. Yeah. And this was, this was a game where it felt like even when Minnesota started to get some of that momentum back, uh, around the halftime and early in the third quarter, North Carolina teams of the past, okay, Minnesota gets back in it. And then it's a game the entire way. I thought it was it was pretty impressive how this North Carolina team handled that adversity. And I thought one of the, the coolest moments, I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a, a video of uh, the team in, in the locker room post game, and Mac Brown was addressing the team and you, you could just feel how much he cares about all the players. And they had a cool moment with, with Mitch Mason where they were like, this game was a lot like Mitch where this North Carolina team no matter the the situation that they get put in front of them, they're going to fight. And for the most part, for, for a fan, for um, an alumni, for a letterman, like really that's all you could ask for for a team that, that they are going to fight. And when you have a team as talented as North Carolina, when you have a quarterback as good as Drake May, a team that's going to fight like that, that's a team that you could go to, to battle with on, on Saturdays. And Speaking of Drake May, this game was really only close because of some of the interceptions he threw that kind of kept North Carolina in the game. And I think you could you could look at what he did and be like, oh, man, Drake Drake was a little off tonight. And he has a, a bit of like those Mitch Trubisky stat lines in him where you're like, oh, something something's just not right with Mitch tonight or something's just not right with Drake tonight. And you, you see his final box score. He throws for over 400 yards for just the second time in his career. And he completes 73% of his passes. What did you kind of see from the Tario quarterback? I think it was the quietest 400-yard game I've ever seen. And, and, and all levels of football. You know, if you were to ask me after the game how much he threw for, I would say 270, 265. And, you know, like you said, you look up and it's 400, two touchdowns. Um, you know, there's two interceptions, you know, look, we could be very critical of Drake because he's proven to be a first round talent and a top five pick, you know, so we, we can nitpick Drake. The one thing that I love about him is he is resilient as hell. You know, he, he throws interception and it doesn't phase him. You know, he comes right back up. He's He's got that amnesia where he just forgets it and on to the next drive. The, the thing that always impresses me the most about Drake is his ability to extend the plays with his legs. I think the greatest equalizer in college football in any level of football is the ability for the quarterback to be mobile, extend the play, pick up first downs with his legs. And time and time again, Drake had, you know, even this last game, three or four rushing first downs that extend the drive. And it just, it, it cripples the defense. You know, it sucks the life out of them. Um, so, you know, obviously he had two interceptions and, we can we can talk about the defense and how they stepped up to the plate and responded like a good defense should and, you know, held Minnesota to, I think, three points off of two turnovers. So um, that that was awesome to see. But but Drake is, you know, he's, he's throwing it to the right guy. Um, 
look, he's he's as advertised. Those two interceptions, we can get those cleaned up. Those those don't scar me, you know. Um, but you know, I'm obviously very happy with Drake's play. Yeah, somebody asked me how concerning those interceptions are from Drake May, and when his tape has been as overwhelmingly positive as it's been, and the the main reason why a North Carolina fan or this North Carolina team has as much confidence as they do going into every game is because of the arm talent that they have at that quarterback position. I also thought there was more of a, a conscious effort from this North Carolina team to try to push the ball down the field vertically. They, they took a lot more shots vertically. Uh, I lost count of how many plays they had over 15 yards. I think they had four plays over 20, but a lot of those plays like the Bryson Nesbitt touchdown where, where he gets that wheel route was like 19 yards. So it's just missing that 20 uh, benchmark, but you have the, the big plays from this Carolina team. That's kind of been missing JJ Jones. Um, Gavin Blackwell has, has a deep pass. Kamari Morales. Kamari Morales. Yep. Yep. And then the, the one thing that I thought really helped this North Carolina team getting Nate McCollum and you saw the, the conscious effort North Carolina had in, in getting the ball to him early and often. I think that first drive, he had six or six or seven catches for like 80 something yards capped off by a, a great touchdown. And then when, when you're watching Nate McCollum, it, it feels like you're starting to see like, wow, what this North Carolina can do when, when they do have everybody available. what do you think of Nate McCollum's uh, big day? He was a dog. He was a dog, and he uh, he looked healthy. You know, th those first two games, he was quiet. You know, maybe it was it was health related issues, but um, the the thing that was you know startling to me was the first play of the game. We designed a play to put the ball in Nate's hands, so that tells me right there that he's healthy, and our offensive coordinator and our offense is trying to find ways to get him touches, get the ball in space, and make plays. Um, you know the first drive or two of a, of an offensive game is, is usually scripted. So that first play is like, okay, we're going to get the ball in Nate's hands in space on the perimeter and see what he can do. And, you know, we moved him around a lot. You know, he was in the slot to the boundary slot to the field. He was out wide to the boundary. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure if he played out wide to the field, but we, we were moving him all around the formation. And, and, and that's hard on a defense when I guess our best, receiver is is changing location so you can't always get a beat on where he's going to line and you know who's going to cover him from the defensive standpoint whether it's the nickelback the corner a safety so we were we were giving minnesota a bunch of looks and and i thought that was great to see um the the the, the touchdown he had you know drake was kind of off one leg and great throw but i think it was a way better catch than it was a throw because the defender was kind of draped all over him and he had the, kind of the, his arm in the way. And, and uh, you know, Nate, look, he, he's shown that he's produced at the ACC level and that's what Carolina needed. You know, we needed a guy that was going to, you know, take the reins over from Josh Downs because that he left a big void in our offense. And, 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 and Nate looked like he was as advertised. You know, there's a lot of talk in the offseason of how, how impressive he was and, you know, that he was going to step in right for Josh and, and kind of, you know, leave no slack. Um, the, the impressive thing to me about Nate was uh, I think we gave him another jet sweep in the third or fourth quarter, and he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, you know, kind of out wide by the numbers, by a safety, and he bounces off that hit. Another guy comes to hit him. He bounces off that, 
and he fights for the first down and gets it. You know, most I don't think any other receiver on our team is is making that play. He showed physicality. He was seeking out contact. You know, none of our other receivers are doing that. So just it showed he showed to me like he's healthy and, and you know, he's ready to make an impact. You know, we need that senior veteran leadership from a, from a skill player outside of the running back room. And, and he, he provided it. Yeah, the first two games I thought highlighted why North Carolina went out and got two big time receivers in the transfer portal. And I thought this third game kind of showed what their offense can do when when that talent is producing. And it's an unfortunate situation that we're never going to get to see this offense with somebody like Tez Walker because all of a sudden the the ceiling hey, is even... don't say never. Never say never. Don't say never. Don't say never. never. I don't I don't have any insider info, but look, there's a chance, right? Never say never. If there's a will, there's a way. There's a will, there's a way. Uh, but also I wanted to go back to some of the, the long plays for the North Carolina team. I have the box score pulled up. Nate McCollum had a long of 46, Kamari Morales 55, JJ Jones 39, Bryson Nesbitt 19, Gavin Blackwell 38, and then Omarin Hampton had a catch of 17 yards. One of the quietest players on the Carolina offense was Kobe Pesor, who kind of stepped up in that role in the slot when uh, Nate McCollum missed the first game due to injury and then only played eight snaps in the App State game. I think there's it's, it's tough because – Kobe Pesor seems like he's most efficient when he's in the slot, but you have a better option as a slot receiver in Nate McCollum, and I think you saw that. So if you're Carolina, Kobe Pesor has one catch, four yards. How do you find the way to to get your best players on the field and get somebody like Kobe Pesor more involved? And it, it is nitpicking because Carolina wins 31 to 13. They they put up 400 plus yards passing, but it does feel like he does have the talent to to be out there and be out there contributing. For sure. And, and through the first two games of the season, he was the most re- reliable receiving threat. And sometimes just, you know, in, in the game flow, he, he doesn't get involved and we have other guys that are making plays. You know, Nesbitt had, had four catches for, I think, 60 yards. You, you know, like Blackwell had one, a long one, Morales. So, like, we, we were getting other production from other players and, and this just wasn't Pace Hour's game, you know. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about the the drive in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we're up, I think, by 10 points. Uh, yeah, 10, 10 or 11 points at this point. And how many times watching Carolina football have you seen, um, you know, we have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Our offense goes three and out. We give the ball back to – you know, the, the opponent's offense and they go down and score and make it a ball game. A the, the drive we, the drive we had, yeah, a lot. <laughs> the drive we had in the fourth quarter, I think it started about 10 minutes. We go 11 play drive, you know, a mix of runs and passes, move the ball on, on, a, on a good Minnesota defense and put the ball in the end zone to go up three scores with, you know, four or five minutes to go. That was like, okay, our team has potential to, to actually some do, do some big things. And then to, to even add on to that, our defense comes out and gets a three and out, and now the game is completely done. You know, we're up 31 to 13 with two minutes to go getting the ball back. So that complimentary football we, we played in those last 10 minutes was, was something that we haven't seen before, you know, consistently. Um, so that's like – that was the most eye-opening thing to me in the whole game 
was the ability to take a five-minute drive, finish in the end zone, and take five minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter when 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 we needed it the most. And it was a and it was a mix of you know tight end catches, receiver catches, running backs. You know, it was it was the whole squad. The, the you know the offensive line blocked well. So um, I know your initial question was talking about Kobe Paysauer, but I diverted and and talked about that. But Kobe, we call Paysauer audibles gonna, here, man. Yeah, we call audibles. That that's kind of where my mind was going. But Co- Kobe is going to be, I think, our second or first leading receiver. You know, at the end of the year, he he's a great player. He, or, uh, great is a strong word. He's a very very solid college player right now. He has he has some ability. Um, but it, like I said, it was great to see Nate go out there and produce like that because you can't have enough playmakers in in, in the skill positions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and that that last drive that you were talking about, that 11-play drive, I think one of the most encouraging parts about that drive is that, for the most part, Carolina's run game was pretty inefficient the the entire day. Minnesota was uh, stuffing it and forcing North Carolina to beat them passing, and that's something crazy to say when you have somebody like Drake May. But I think at, at that point, Carolina was rushing for like over less than two yards um, per per rush attempt. And then that last drive, they were having more success. You have Drake May rush for five yards. Omar and Hampton rushes for 17. Drake May for six again. Drake May for 12. British Brooks, three. And then four. And then six. And then they, they capped the drive off where um, you have – British Brooks and Omar and Hampton in the backfield together. They they fake the toss to Omar and Hampton, and you get that like little inside handoff to British Brooks, who scores from one yard out. The encouraging thing from North Carolina's perspective is that they weren't able to run the ball for for three plus quarters, and then when a team knew they were going to run and wanted to run, they did find a way to to get that. And you saw more creativity from Chip Lindsey when you do have two backs. Did you did you notice that with uh, Hampton and Brooks in the backfield together? I feel like let's yeah. let's find more ways to get them on the field. Yeah, I mean both of those guys are are beast with the ball in their hands and they're beast blocking. So um yeah I, I, I like that way better than a direct snap to British or or Hampton and, and running that RAM package. So um <laughs> Look, as long as we put the ball in the end zone when we're when we're in the red zone, especially inside the five, you know, whatever we want to run, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm also glad you mentioned um, the blocking that you get from the running backs because that was something that Omar and Hampton, I think, struggled with at times 
last year where at it, he felt almost unplayable with pass protection. And you say that and it's like, it, it, it sounds harsh, but like pass protection from a true freshman running back, that's something, you know, you didn't have to do at the high school level. His pass block rate, according to pro football focus last year was 49.4. It, it's in that orange territory. This year, it's up to 82.5, a tremendous increase, and and British Brooks is not too far behind him in the pass, bro. The North Carolina defense, we mentioned the the Drake May turnovers, but Minnesota only scored. That was another reason why I, I, when somebody asked me if Drake May's interceptions were concerning, I said no, because North Carolina's defense, they held strong, only gave up three points off those two turnovers. What was your kind of general takeaways just watching the defense? To me, that's the mark of a good defense. And, you know, when your back's put against the wall in situations that you can't control, i.e. a turnover from the offense, and you have to go out there and defend a short field, you know, we stepped up to the challenge every time. Um, and that was awesome to see. You know, you know, I think the first turnover was on – they got the ball on the, you know, plus 25 yard line on, on our yeah. side of the field. And, you know, coach Chizik has always preached good situational defense and red zone defense, but now we're finally showing it that we, that we can do it. Um, the, the second thing that stood out to me was our third down defense. Do you, do you know the stats off the top of your head? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I it down. It was uh, Minnesota was 27% on third downs. If you're under under thirty percent, you're going to be top twenty in the country, and that that to me was the key to our defense. You know, obviously we had the big turnover with Power Eccles in the red zone, um, and then another interception from uh, Chapman in the in in the end zone as well. So you know, those are two turnovers are obviously great, but I think third down defense and third down conversion percentage is such an important stat in college football. And our third down defense was 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 really good. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, at times we were we were pushed around in the run game a little bit. But Minnesota, they got a they got a big offensive line. You know, I think they averaged six five, three twenty or something. You know, bigger bigger average size than the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, you know, we got pushed around inside a little bit. I, I thought the two inside linebackers played a lot better a lot better than they did last week. You know they're the heartbeat of the defense. So when when they're flying around with energy and making plays, that it's contagious for the rest of the defense. Um, you know, so I, I I was I was happy with our performance. I mean, at the to me, like I talked about third down being a very important statistic in college football. But at the end of the day, the only stat that matters on defense, in my opinion, is scoring defense. And if we allow thirteen points you know, versus a, versus a very good power five school, we're going to win a lot of games that, that 10, that 10 win season plus is a, is a lock. If we, if we allow 13 points, because, you know, we're going to get the production from our offense. So um, kudos to coach Chizik and, and those, those, you know, defensive players, obviously we don't have the stack numbers and the TFL numbers, but look, at the end of the day, if we let up 13 points, that that's a, that's a damn good job in college football. Yeah. I also thought the, we kind of mentioned this last time on the podcast where it was like sack numbers are, are great, but they don't tell the entire story where the Minnesota quarterbacks, uh, the one came in uh, 
when the other got injured for for a few plays, a lot of those throws that they had are, are throws you're not advising quarterbacks to make. I, I think the first one, Powers interception, Cedric Gray got through. The quarterback just throws it. It gets tipped off the, the tight end's hand. Uh, Power picks it off. The, the second interception, Des Evans is barreling down with his hands up. That's a, a sack probably 90% of the time most quarterbacks are – are willing to just eat that sack there and, and live to fight another play. He just throws the ball up in the end zone. Armani Chapman picks it off. The third down defense, I, I got the numbers. Minnesota was 3 of 12, 25%. Carolina's third down offense, 12 of 17. And the last one was essentially when Carolina was just running out the clock and and not trying to pick it up because they had the fourth down to, to just kneel the ball out. Um, Carolina was 12 of 17 for, for 70%. And I think that's, that's probably the one stat that you could point to as, as why Carolina was able to win this game by, by such a wide margin. I thought another person worth mentioning uh, on the defensive side of the ball was Armani Chapman, where he comes in, he makes a difference. You play him at corner, you play Marcus Allen at the other corner, Elijah Huzzy in the star position. What did you kind of see from Armani Chapman as Carolina inserts him and they start to get him more and more reps at that corner position, it looks like? You know, veteran experience, played a lot of football in the ACC. Uh, you know, he was he was an added – he was an asset to our defense. Um, you know, I think he finished with three pass breakups and an interception. You know, you look up and he's not he's not afraid to challenge the receivers. You know, if they caught a ball on him, for the most part, he was within phase and, and tackling them as soon as they caught the ball. So, you know, that's always good to see. Um, you know, I think I think what tells the most about him is I think in his postgame press conference, you know, he was very confident in saying, look, we can go 15 and 0 and win the national championship. Whether whether anyone believes it or not, he does. And that's a great mindset for a cornerback to have. That's honestly the only mindset you can have because you have to be a little crazy to play corner because, you know, you're on an island most plays. So, you know, that that confidence is is going to be contagious. And I, I appreciate his words. And whether we can go 15-0 and win the national championship, I don't believe so. But, you know, he, he obviously does. And, and I love his confidence. And he keeps playing like that. That's going to be a, a big boost for our, for our team. Um, you know, we saw Hardy getting some more reps, Stick Lane getting in there. I think as this defense grows throughout the season, I think we're going to see them get better. Um, you know, we're playing more guys in the secondary, which is what we need, because I don't think Biggers and, and Don Chapman are, you know, all ACC caliber players. So they need to not play as many plays and rotate with some other safeties. So I, I think we got a good rotation going on right now. And, um, I like I like where we headed, but but Chapman he really showed me something, and it's no knock on Holloway, but he he's a young guy and was kind of thrown into the fire, and you know he's made some plays, he's gotten beat, but you know one of the hardest things to teach in college football is experience and 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 actual gameplay, especially against a, a veteran team, a a power five at a power five level, and so Chapman you know he, he showed that on on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, these stats are are from Pro Football Focus. It's quarterback rating when targeted. Uh, Elijah Huzzy's at a 59.5. Uh, Teon Holloway's at a 111.3. Marcus Allen is at a 120.1. 1. 
and then it's a, a small sample size with Armani Chapman, but it's a, a 6.9 where he he plays yeah. essentially just that last game and looked great shutting shutting it down. I don't know if keeping a quarterback in the single digits is uh, a realistic goal, but it's a goal that, like you mentioned, that mindset that this team has, they're going to believe that they can do it. And I, I had a, a quick stat. I'm, I'm Again, we're, we're pulling audibles all over the place. It's uh, NFL Sunday. We're recording this. The commanders win. Sam Howell becomes just the second Washington quarterback to start his career 3-0 in the Super Bowl era. The only other to do it, 87 strike replacement quarterback Ed Ruper, who was uh, the inspiration for Shane Falco in the replacements. Was he? I was about to say, <laughs> I don't, I've, never heard, I've never heard that name in my life. Hey, that, shout you, out Sammy, Sammy Howe, man. He's Carolina legend. Yeah, a lot hey, of, he, a lot. He, he, he said not so fast on, you know, naming Drake the best, you know, UNC quarterback of all time. You know, he Sam's like, watch, watch what I'm doing. I'm three and zero in the NFL, so y'all pump the brakes on this Drake talk. It's a lot of, uh, it's good company in in the quarterback conversation for Carolina, especially the uh, the past few decades. Um, but as Carolina gets ready for this Pittsburgh team, Pittsburgh has had a a struggling offense. I think I saw the stat: Phil Dracovich, the the past two games. It's like 18 for 52. Uh, it's been two losses for this Pittsburgh team. Historically, Pat Narduzzi has given these Mac Brown teams a, a lot to handle in comparison to our Fedora teams that always seemed like they found a way to beat these Pittsburgh teams, no matter what our team looked like um, for the entire term of the season. How does this North Carolina team match up with this Pittsburgh team who who does want to be physical defensively? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen them play a live game, but like you said, just knowing the Narduzzi system and they're going to be aggressive, you know, pressure five, six, seven guys, play quarters defense. Um, you know, look, they're always – they're a well-coached team, but I think hopefully we're taking that next step of – we're going to beat the teams we're supposed to beat by a good, comfortable margin. You know, we, we took a step forward in this week and, you know, we're seven point favorites against Minnesota at home and we run away and we win by 18 points. You know, that's the sign of going good to great is when you comfortably cover good teams, win, great teams cover. So good for the heels on that sense. But like, in all honesty, like seeing them, you know, extend leads and comfortably win games, and not having nail biters against power five opponents is fun to see, you know, cause you look around the landscape of college football, you see Alabama have a tight one versus USF. You see Georgia play South Carolina tight. You see Colorado play Colorado, Colorado state tight. Like, you know, on any given Saturday, you know, anyone can win. So for us to handle a team like that comfortably, I want to see the same thing against Pittsburgh because that'll kind of tell me, we're, we're turning, we're turning the corner and we're, we're, we're maturing and we're growing up and we're, we're not playing down to our opponents. So, um, you know, let, let's go beat Pittsburgh by 17 plus, you know, Dracovic two years ago at, at Boston college, everyone was projecting him to be a first round draft pick. So he is talented. Um, yep. you know, so we'll see what happens. Yep. Carolina on the road, their first true road game of the season. How did how did that aspect kind of affect you playing uh, 
going on the road where we we always hear like it, it's hard to win on the road. What specifically do you think it is that makes playing on the road tough? Uh, there's a couple things. I think, I guess, just like traveling, you know, kind of getting out of your rhythm, getting out of your comfort zone. But, um, you know, obviously the opposing stadiums, you know, crowd noise affects the offense. You know, I was I was at the UF game last night, University of Florida versus Tennessee. And the swamp on a, on a Saturday night, I mean, that was as loud as I've ever heard a stadium. And Tennessee had to call timeout three different times on offense because they, they couldn't communicate the play across from one side to the other. You know, they had the, the call in, in time, but it was just like they couldn't hear. The offensive line couldn't hear the quarterback. The receivers couldn't hear the tight ends. And so they had to call timeout. So I guess that, that that's a thing that could, you know, it makes it hard to win on the road. Obviously, Pittsburgh, it's, you know, NFL Stadium. It's not going to be a, a crazy atmosphere. But um, as as a player, honestly, I love playing on the road. As much as I love playing in, in Keenan Stadium in front of our fans, you know, Going on the road, it's just like you and your bros, you and your boys, you know, it's you against the world. And it's that mentality that you take and it's uh, it's fun. You know, you, you score a touchdown in, in an opposing stadium and, and you see, you know, the celebrations where they're like shushing the crowd and, and the guys rally around that stuff. So, um, you know, let's see, last time we played at Pitt, what happened? 2021? 2021, we lost. Yeah, we lost to Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Was that so, the overtime game? I think it was an overtime. Yeah, it was an overtime I, game. I feel like every time we've played at Pitt, well, besides the the game last year, I think there's been a stat. There was a stat like seven or eight of the last Pitt games are um, a one, one score series. So, yeah. Yeah. So this this has been a series where um, it, it has been pretty close. North Carolina won. Last year, the last time out um, at UNC, yep, yep, and the the current streak is just at that one game. So uh, Pitt is kind of stumbling their way into this game. They lost their only win this season is a forty five seven win at Wofford. Uh, then they lost to Cincinnati at home twenty seven twenty one, and then they lost the backyard brawl to West Virginia seventeen to six. Carolina. Back in action this Saturday, eight o'clock kickoff from Pittsburgh. What, Jeff, what's the spread? What's the spread in that game? The early spread is Carolina minus five. Hammer, <laughs> hammer it, hammer that. Jeff, I, hammer I, I, my other observation from the weekend: bunch of people came up to me and said, "Hey, love the podcast with you and Shaw." Let's go. <laughs> I appreciate it, fans. I appreciate it. You know. So, uh, everyone loves it because because you're the star of the show and you've been an inside carolina legend for a couple years now so i just try to be i know this is a football podcast but i just try to be a good facilitator i'm a i'm a good point guard kendall marshall vision (laughs) see see where you want to go uh but yeah appreciate everybody who said anything appreciate everybody who's watching and listening shop man appreciate the time as always always brother What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.